If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Former President Trump indicted again. Convenient timing again. I'm sure it has nothing to do with Devin Archer testifying that the big guy was on speakerphone over 20 times with Hunter's business associates. Phone calls Democrats insist were just friendly little combos about weather because the Democrats, they think we are stupid. The show starts now. Well, I'm sure Stevie Wonder himself could have seen this one coming. Donald Trump has been indicted again for the third time on four counts related to liberal Christmas, January 6th. Conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, and conspiracy against rights. Trump is the only defendant named, and here we go again. Y'all noticing a pattern here? Every time new and damning evidence surrounding the Biden crime regime is exposed, the justice system conveniently decides it's time to switch the headlines and the heat to Donald Trump. But meanwhile, Democrats and media hacks would have you believe the big guy, the brand, Joe Brandon, was on speakerphone over 20 times with Hunter's business associates just to talk about the weather. I'm no meteorologist, but it sounds like cloudy with 100% chance of BS. So, so to confirm, you're saying that the speakerphone conversations, they don't seem concerning to you because there was no specifics about business and it just seemed like it was clear about- that it was clear that, that it was as part of the daily conversations that Hunter Biden had with his father. Um, and it was and, and sounds like most of the time uh, now President Biden didn't even know who the people he was at dinner. He was just asked to say hello. Uh, and he would, you know, talk about the, the way he described it several times. They asked over and over and over. He described what the weather was, how, uh, how, what's going on on your end. So I love my dad. I talk to my dad often, but I can tell you this. I've never put Kevin Laird on the phone with any of my colleagues or business associates, not once, not ever, because that's not a normal thing to do unless Papa is the reason you're getting millions from foreign entities to make up for the fact you're actually a drug addict loser with no discernible skills besides the last name Biden. Do these Democrats really think we are that stupid that we'd believe this narrative? Well, according to Congressman Dan Goldman, we are preposterous if we don't buy this crock of crap. Does it contradict the president's statement saying that he never talked to any of Hunter Biden business associates? Clearly, he talked whether about the weather or whatever, but he said specifically that he's never talked to them. Doesn't this contradict that? I don't know what his comment is, and if we're going to, well, I don't, I don't think that's what he said. He never said that he has never spoken to anyone. He said that he had nothing to do with Hunter Biden's business dealings. If he says hello to someone that he sees his son with, is he supposed to say, hi, son? No, I'm not going to say hello to the other people at the table or the other people on the phone. It's kind of a preposterous premise to think that a father should not say hello to people that the son are at dinner with. 
Weird how it went from never talking to Hunter about his business dealings to it'd just be preposterous for Joe, a sitting vice president, now president, to have the integrity and professional awareness to not engage in chitty chat with business associates and foreign entities. Devin Archer confirmed Joe Biden was put on the phone to sell the brand. Joe Biden was the brand, and he's also the brand in. Joining me now to break this down is former deputy director of national intelligence, Cash Patel. All right, Cash, so we got two uh, things to discuss today. Imagine that. Funny how this works. We've got another Trump indictment. And then, of course, we've got the ongoing revelations in the Biden crime regime family. So I want to start with what everybody else is starting with, of course, Donald Trump. Uh, when you saw that indictment come down and you read through it, what was your initial reaction? Hey, Tommy, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on the show. And look, if I can just rewind history to connect this indictment to the two-tier system of justice. When I was running the Russiagate investigation for Chairman Nunes on House Intel, and we exposed the FISAgate corruption of actually breaking the law and lying to a federal court and defrauding the United States, we referred to the Department of Justice, the very same statutes that uh, President Trump has now been indicted on, conspiracy to defraud the United States with actors like James Comey, Andy McKay, Peter Strzok, who actually intentionally lied to a federal officer to unlawfully surveil um, Donald Trump. And as John Dermott said, now there's been no legal basis to do so. After that referral went out, the DOJ laughed us out of the halls of justice and said, oh, you guys are being political. There's no basis to bring prosecutions based on these statutes. Well, fast forward five years later, the same DOJ people that ran Russiagate are now charging Donald Trump with defrauding the United States of America. The only difference is they are charging him for a thought crime. Whether or not you like President Trump or dislike him or love him or hate him, that's not the purpose of law enforcement. The purpose of law enforcement is to say, is there a criminal act committed? It doesn't matter if President Trump goes out there and says, I won the 2020 election from now until the end of time. That's his constitutionally protected right under the freedom of speech clause in the First Amendment. It's that simple. If you disagree with him, that's adjudicated at the polls, on TV, on the radio, and in social circles. It's not adjudicated in the halls of justice. And I would highlight that they named all these conspirators in the indictment. What is the conspiracy? They are saying they conspired together to defraud the United States of America and interfere with the election process. Well, I remind our audience in 2001, 5 and 17, the Democrats objected formally to the election results to include Hakeem Jeffries and former Senator Barbara Boxer. They were never punished and they shouldn't have been. It was their constitutional right to object, just as it is Donald Trump's. Yeah, reading through the indictment, it's so odd because there was an acknowledgement of Donald Trump's right to free speech. But then as soon as they acknowledged it, then they said, basically, you can't do that. And what's interesting to me, and I'm not a lawyer, but when I read through it, it seems like the crime, uh, so they say, so they allege, is that Donald Trump is saying that the election was stolen, but he doesn't truthfully believe the election was stolen. Well, good <laughs> luck trying to prove that, because I don't think anybody is going to be able to prove that Donald Trump, to this day, still doesn't believe right. that the election was stolen. So it feels like a distraction. But when this proceeds along, do you think that there's any possibility that this actually goes to a conviction? 
that it's in D.C. And if the timing works out, I mean, these cases as a former federal prosecutor take one to two years minimum to get to jury trial, especially a case of this magnitude. Now, they will rush it along and say doesn't involve evidence and we've got to get there. It's D.C. We've got a judge who, by the way, has a recusal problem. We can talk about that later. Um, and they'll try to ram it through. But the thing about this case that Donald Trump can now go on the offense, the DOJ has just awarded him the one thing he has wanted for years to relitigate to the American public public in the world, the results of the 2020 election, whatever your thoughts are, now it's front and center in a courtroom that's going to be watched more than anything else on earth. And Donald Trump has subpoena power for documents and witnesses. He can call in Merrick Garland and Christopher Ray and everybody from the DOJ and the counsel's team and every witness on his side, antagonist or otherwise, and force them into a federal courtroom. And what is the department going to say? Oh, these six people conspired to what? provide Donald Trump with advice and tell him he won the election and then he operated on that. There's no criminality in that. You might not like it politically, but there's no criminality there. Yeah. Well, again, I think that every time he is indicted, it's actually a gift to Donald Trump because he goes up in the polls and then we talk about this. So whether it's good for our country, I disagree, but I think it's good for Donald Trump himself, unless for some reason, you know, I don't have a, a lot of faith left in our justice system. He ends up behind bars. And, you know, it, it seems like they're just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. You've got one, two, three, maybe a fourth indictment. So it would be kind of difficult to believe that at least one isn't going to stick to him, even as flimsy as they are. So what is your prediction as far as that goes? you got three on the table, potentially a fourth coming out of Georgia. Is he going to be able to get out of all three and maybe even four of these? Well, with whether or not your experience in the judicial system, you don't have to know that cases and appeals take years. So what they would have to do is speedily convict Donald Trump, then actually imprison him pending the appeals, which all of these cases will be appealed, not just through the state court system, but the Supreme Court system of the United States, two levels of which take five to seven years. So I don't know how they keep him in jail, even if they do convict him on any of these counts, but they're going to try. The irony is they took their shot. They said in this new indictment that on January 6th, Donald Trump did not commit insurrection, was not seditious, was not treasonous. How do we know that? They didn't charge him with any of that conduct. They've been talking about that conduct for two years. And when they had the opportunity to charge him with that, they said, no, no, we're going to come up with a conspiracy and they came up with a general conspiracy that says literally Donald Trump conspired with a bunch of people to do some bad stuff, we think. Though, like you pointed out keenly, good luck convincing the world Donald Trump doesn't believe to this day he won the election. And it's not a crime. So the key here for his defense team is to figure out how to get the evidence out to the American public. The DOJ is going to go full steam, but good luck convicting and putting him in prison throughout the appellate process. It's never going to get done before next November. I think part of the goal and strategy here is not to get to a conviction, but the similar with the impeachments one and two is just mm -hmm. to stain him and mar him in the eyes of the independent voter. And that is my primary concern. I know that mm -hmm. Republicans are cheering him on and circling the wagons, but I fear that there are going to be independent voters out there that look at this and say, my goodness, am I going to vote for a guy that could potentially end up in prison or am I going to vote for a guy that's going to be 
with all these legal issues as he's trying to run the most powerful nation in the world. That's what I think is part of their genius strategy. So they win either way, unfortunately. But now I want to turn to, you know, the bigger, to me, the bigger news. And that's the Biden crime family, the Devin Archer testimony. Uh, to me, you know, to everybody else, this is quite obvious. Every time we get bombshell revelations, the media doesn't want to talk about it. So then there's a Trump indictment so they can talk about that and they can completely avoid anything surrounding the Biden name. But last week we had the Hunter Biden plea deal fall apart. This week we've got Devin Archer's testimony. Uh, what do you make of that defense that the 20 plus speakerphone conversations were just about the weather and hi, how you doing? Uh, look, I think it's laughable. The whole point of putting on a vice president of the United States when your son and his business partner, Devin Archer, are trying to get millions of dollars from the Ukraine and the Chinese Communist Party is to show your flex is to show your bribery muscle, is to show that you are willing to commit fraud just to get that money. Of course, Joe Biden's not going to get on the phone and say, oh, by the way, you have to do this and we're committing a crime. Um, so here's the videotape. No, the, the flex is the phone call 20 times over. Whether he's talking about the weather or not, he is now, and as we know, Joe Biden was the one who threatened and got the Ukrainian prosecutor fired and by withholding a billion dollars in U.S. aid to the Ukraine just because that prosecutor was investigating who? Hunter Biden's Burisma Law uh, Consulting Firm. So it's not the context of the call, it's that it happened in the timing. And we now know it was, wasn't just in the Ukraine, he was on the phone with CCP officials in China while Hunter and Archer were negotiating a consulting contract for $7 million. That in and of itself needs to be further investigated, but the crime of being a foreign agent has been committed by Hunter Biden. That's to me what those phone calls show. He should be prosecuted for just that. Paul Manafort and many other people were prosecuted and convicted for being unlawfully registered foreign agents. That is what Hunter Biden has just exposed himself to. So we have the clip of Biden bragging about getting that prosecutor <laughs> fired. Let's play that and then uh, you can tell me if this is a smoking gun. You already mentioned it, but let's take a look for those who haven't seen it. I went over, I guess the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and uh, and I was going supposed to announce that there was another billion dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to press conference. Said, nah. I said, I'm not going to, or we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid at the time. Yeah, Cash, speaking of a flex, here he is essentially bragging about the poll that he has. Is that really all the information that we need, at least in the court of public opinion, to say something's not right here? Yeah, and that's why Congress needs to investigate it, because this DOJ and FBI never will in their two-tier system of justice. But just to put it in context for people who haven't been following the whole Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Burisma thing, look at it this way. Say when Donald Trump was president, Don Jr. and Eric Trump were on a consulting firm, and they were acquiring multi-million dollar business deals in the Ukraine and China. And while in that process engagement, they called dad, the president of the United States, and he says to those guys, 
if you don't fire the prosecutor investigating my boys, you're not getting a billion dollars. Would we even be having this conversation? That's effectively what Joe Biden did as vice president of the United States. He withheld taxpayer money to give foreign governments aid to leverage his son's position. And now we know the one thing that we've known all along, but the public is aware of. Money doesn't lie. And the bank accounts have been proven to show that Hunter Biden got $675,000 from that Ukrainian transaction and up to $3 million from the CCP transaction alone. So Comer and company have to keep going on the bank records. And I think if they impeach Ray and Garland, not Biden, that's not my target. If they impeach Ray and Garland, we'll get all the memorandums showing how much Hunter and Joe knew together and when and how much money they brought in. I also want to know what President Obama was doing at this time. I mean, in that call, he's like, oh, you can call the president. He's going to tell you that, you know, I'm in charge. Well, it feels like Obama had to have some knowledge of some of this. I know that he put Joe in charge of a lot of this policy when it when it comes to China and Ukraine. But I feel like Obama is also a missing piece of this puzzle that nobody's really talking about. Is it conceivable that all this stuff was going on right under his nose with his vice president and he just had no clue? Not conceivable. And you raise a great point. You know, Congress should be looking at subpoenaing Barack Obama along the lines of furthering this investigation. I haven't heard anyone call for that, but that's a brilliant analysis. Of course not. President Obama is a brilliant person, whether you like him or not politically, that's different. Um, to say otherwise is dismissive. I mean, this guy orchestrated Russiagate. He knew about it. He was briefed on it in Jan December and January by Comey and Brennan, and he authorized it. Of course he knew what he was letting Joe Biden run into. And the chain of command in the Constitution says only one person can authorize that kind of aid to anyone. It's the president of the United States. The vice president's allowed to go out there and relay the message for him. But Barack Obama has to sign off on it. He was in on it. He knew about it. And no one's covering that. It's a brilliant point you raised. Well, thank you. I, I'm That's a feather in my cap, Cash. I'm so happy because I've been thinking about this the whole time. We know that Obama's been largely untouchable whether, yeah. Whatever angle, whatever scandal, whatever, nobody ever touches Barack Obama. And I think it's time. Not only that, but there's still a lot of questions surrounding that paddleboarding incident. But that's for another day. <laughs> Cash, I always appreciate you coming in with all the facts that we need to know. And I hope to see you soon. Maybe, I don't know, Trump indictment four. <laughs> maybe in a, <laughs> maybe in, a, in a few weeks here we'll have you back. But I appreciate it and God bless. Thanks so much, Tommy. Have a great day, guys. Up next, these last couple of years, post-magical COVID vax have sure been blood clotty and hard attacky. Weird. I've got Dr. Peter McCullough with the truth next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I 
or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Whether it's 30-year-old singer Tori Kelly with severe blood clots surrounding her vital organs or 18-year-old basketball standout and son of LeBron James, Bronny James, going into cardiac arrest during practice, it sure feels like these occurrences are out of the ordinary for seemingly young and healthy individuals. Could this be linked in any way to, I don't know, that rushed mRNA COVID vaccine many Americans were forced or shamed into getting? Joining me now with his expert analysis is board-certified cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough. Dr. McCullough, I know there's a lot of news going on right now, but these couple incidents, you know, they didn't slip past me and most aware Americans. So when you see the headlines, Tori Kelly with blood clots, Bronnie James going into cardiac arrest at 18 years old, what's your initial reaction? We're seeing this in clinical practice now every day. I think almost all of it is a direct result of COVID-19 vaccination. Many are unwilling uh, or, you know, are, are remorseful in taking the vaccines, but they won't come out and tell us. But these are signature vaccine injury syndromes. The FDA says the vaccines cause myocarditis. If there is myocarditis and the athletes exercise, it can precipitate cardiac arrest or near events. With uh, Ronnie James, I t told the media, I didn't think he had a full cardiac arrest. He was in and out of the ICU in a few hours and then home within a day. So it was probably a near miss. Uh, but boy, have we seen some terrible cardiac arrest. You know, there was a basketball player, uh, uh, Oscar Cabrero Adamas, who had a cardiac arrest on the court in 2021. And he said he had myocarditis from the vaccine. And he was trying to come back. He was on a treadmill in 2023 for readiness to return to sports. And he suffers a fatal cardiac arrest on the treadmill. That was very well documented. That's a concern about these athletes going back if they don't have a full evaluation and have an implantable cardio defibrillator. Now, one of uh, Bronnie James's uh, teammates did have a cardiac arrest last year, and he did get an ICD, presumably a subcuticular ICD, and he's back playing. But, you know, two cardiac arrests on the USC basketball team in a year? I mean, anyone would raise their eyebrows and wonder, is this the COVID vaccine? And how about blood clots? We have seen blood clots in multiple athletes, public figures. L. Roker, a favorite weatherman, takes multiple shots, has a COVID-19 illness, uh, has blood clots through the fall, hospitalized, nearly dies. Uh, NCAA uh, football announcer uh, Herb Kirkstreet, same thing. Uh, he has COVID first, then the shots, develops blood clots. It is the COVID vaccine until proven otherwise. So can you explain to my audience, kind of in layman's terms here, what in the COVID vaccine would cause these blood clots and these heart attacks? What is it about this particular vaccine that seems to be so problematic? The vaccines are the genetic code for the spike protein, which is the surface protein of SARS-CoV-2. This was manipulated in the Chinese Wuhan lab. And this spike protein is so damaging to the body, it directly damages the heart. It directly causes blood clots. Uh, and it's, the spike protein is found within blood clots. The protein is so unnatural and it's produced for an uncontrolled period and an uncontrolled quantity. That's what makes it so dangerous. We, we're afraid people took these shots. They're still producing spike protein today. Uh, a paper by Lee and colleagues uh, using retinal artery scans showed micro blood clots in the uh, retinal arteries and veins two years after the initial shots in 2021. That's what's causing it, the spike protein. So for somebody that got the COVID vaccine 
poor bastards. Um, is this something that's going to be lifelong for them, a lifelong challenge, something that they have to worry about years from now, beyond just two years, five, ten years down the road? We don't know. We know the spike protein is long lasting even after the respiratory infection. And that's the reason why we have a major paper coming out advising what's called base spike detox, means that the base of treatment ought to be a detoxification approach using three over-the-counter supplements. One's called natokinase, natokinase, 2,000 units twice a day, bromelain, another family of enzymes, uh, 500 milligrams a day, and then curcumin, preferably the liposomal curcumin, 500 milligrams twice a day. This triple combination, we've had good results in this, supported by the scientific data to this point in time. Uh, the government is refusing to fund any vaccine injury research, although they are, they are generously funding long COVID research. Uh, I think long COVID research is going to apply since most people who have long COVID took the vaccines anyway. Right. So in getting into that, there's been a little bit of news about certain individuals saying that we're going to have a, a summer COVID spike again and everybody beware. You might want to put your masks back on. When you hear that, are you concerned about a summer COVID? Are you concerned about us remasking? What do you think about that new news? No, we're not seeing it clinically. Uh, what that is, is that's an artifact of doing hospital testing. So some hospitals are still testing for COVID. If people come in for elective surgery or a procedure, it's not necessary. It's generating some false positives. There was a recent report that there was a 12% increase. It's simply an artifact of testing. It needs to stop. Most patients going to the hospital, they decline COVID testing because they're not sick with COVID and that's the right thing to do. So if COVID does make a return either this summer or in the winter time, is COVID going to look like your average cold at this point? What should we anticipate and how should we kind of decode the BS that's certainly going to come out of the scientific community about the dangers of COVID this winter? Because you know they're going to come out with something. If someone's already had COVID-19 illness and the estimates are 97% of Americans did, then it's going to be a mild illness, no different than a common cold. If someone truly has not had COVID yet, it can be more serious. So the most important question I ask is, has someone had a well-documented case of COVID? And we take that to the bank because the natural immunity is providing great protection against any severe symptoms, far better than a vaccine. So for most people, it'll look like a mild cold. It, it, the COVID-19 virus itself is not going away. The Omicron variants just keep coming in in waves. Right now we're in the XBB wave. But it's so mild, it's indistinguishable from a common cold. We just need to use uh, you know, typical protocols like McCullough protocol, which starts with virucidal nasal sprays and washes. That's dilute povidone iodine or dilute xylitol. Uh, these sprays nowadays work great, uh, spraying up the nose, sniffing it back, spitting it out, and then gargling, scope or Listerine, 30-second uh, gargles, doing both a nasal and oral about every four hours. That's the first line of defense, and then you can get into over-the-counter items to use. But that doesn't make Big Pharma a whole lot of money. Listerine and scope, I mean, my goodness, that's... Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be a big money maker. But the last thing I want to talk to you about is something very interesting. You know, full disclosure, Outkick, we stream on YouTube. We've been kicked off YouTube for at least a week because we've talked about what you and I are talking about right now. So do you think there's ever going to be a time, we know Twitter has gotten better, or X, whatever you want to call it, is there ever going to be a time when Google, YouTube, Facebook, Meta, 
they start acknowledging real scientific experts like yourself. Are we ever going to get there where this information will be free flowing? And how do we get there? How do we unleash the truth from people like yourself? They have to be facing reality. You know, I have to tell you, I've been watching you almost every night on Fox News now. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was on Fox myself a few days ago. We're on all the news channels. We're on independent media. And so this idea that YouTube can kind of filter us out and we go away uh, isn't going to work. I think in the end they will capitulate. By the way, um, uh, Missouri versus Biden, uh, that case is important. It's currently been the... Um, the injunction's been stayed. That means the government is still in the business of censorship through social media, including YouTube. But that case is going to go all the way to the Supreme Court. I think that's going to be the one that gets government censorship out of social media so we can get back to free communication. Boy, I hope so. You know, I've been named myself in some of these AG lawsuits because the White House Digital Director wanted to specifically reduce me for saying that I wasn't going to get the COVID vaccine. So I've been named in a few of these. Very interesting. Let's just hope this continues on because we need freedom of speech. We need people yeah. to know what they're doing, where they're going and what they're putting into their bodies. You know, just simple American stuff. Dr. McCullough, thank you as always for being so transparent with us. And we hope to see you soon. Thank you. Still ahead, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has graciously invited old Chuckles Harris to Florida for an in-depth discussion on the state's black history curriculum. My final thoughts are next. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis invited VP and Chuckles R. Kamala Harris to meet with him to discuss the state's new black history curriculum, but shocker, she declined. Because that would require real work and real brain power, and we know Kamala is allergic to both. It's time for final thoughts. So there's been a big hoopla over Florida's new black history curriculum with even some notable voices on the right, including Congressman Byron Donald, voicing concern over one small part of instruction regarding how slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. Now, of course, Kamala too pounced on that line, declaring it to be extremist propaganda designed to indoctrinate children. Now, regardless of your personal take on that one line of instruction, it is important to note that the College Board's Advanced Placement African American Studies course contains almost the same language as Florida's new African American History Curriculum written for middle schoolers. But either way, if Kamala Harris is so fired up about it, why not go to Tallahassee and meet with the governor to debate and discuss it? DeSantis even offered to bring William Allen, one of the authors of the new curriculum, who is not white, to the discussion, and also encouraged Harris to bring that old bag teachers union president, Randy Weingarten, to the meeting, if she'd like. But Kamala declined it altogether. Is her schedule of selfie-taking and awkward laughing just too demanding? I think not. The real reason she has declined the invitation is obvious. She doesn't know what she's talking about, and she never does. She's great at feigning outrage, but when the rubber meets the road, she's all flash and cackles and no substance, which is part of the reason the Democrats are still propping up the brand over there like a weekend at Bernie's, because they'd rather be saddled with him than her, and that tells you everything you need to know about Kamala Harris. She's a historic vice president, all right, but for all the wrong reasons. Those are my final thoughts. Don't forget, you can now watch the show on Fox Nation. From Nashville, God bless and take care.